Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at relevantradio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here for this Tuesday. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and how much time do you spend on social media? Every day? Every week? How much time do you spend on on those different sites? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever one is your favorite. Do you find yourself spending more time on one or more of those sites or those, those apps more than you should? I found that to be the case for me, especially on Facebook. And this was back 2012, 2013, 14, 15, somewhere in that range. It would be an easy way to just sit and waste time on Facebook for several hours throughout the week. But that ended up changing for me in 2016. And I'd like to, you know, tell you, I, I, I wish I could that I had made this firm resolution in my mind to exercise discipline, that I was going to limit the time that I spent there on Facebook. But it wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of any sort of strong character (laughs) that I exercised at that point. It was actually because of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. That election campaign during that year, it brought out more vocal response on Facebook from people I was connected to, uh, their, their response about politics, more than I'd ever seen in my life. So many people that I was connected to on Facebook, they were beyond just simply being passionate about which candidate they favored or they supported. And it didn't matter which side either. It didn't matter if they were Republican or they were Democrat. People were angry and they were argumentative in what they posted or in what their responses were that they'd put up there on Facebook. And with different family members and friends, I saw a a side of them that I had never seen before. That election campaign of 2016, it brought out all kinds of hate and vitriolic words, crazy behavior that I, I didn't even know resided in so many people that I knew. And I didn't want to see all of that crazy from those people. And so a couple of months before that election, somewhere in September of 2016, I just said, that's it. I do not want to see this kind of back and forth anymore. And so I deactivated my Facebook account and I didn't touch it for several months. And just as a side note here, you know how on Facebook, everyone that you're connected to, they are your friend? Well, you send those friend requests or you receive those friend requests for me, after deactivating my account, I didn't log back, log back on, I didn't reactivate it until somewhere after Easter of 2017. So a good probably five, six, seven months, something like that. And when I did, I went on there just to check and see, had anybody tried to contact me? Was there anything that I might have missed? 
And that was the telling thing, because not a single person had reached out to me in over six months. No one had checked to see if anything had happened to me, if I was all right. And now, that, that could just be because it's me. Maybe if I was somebody who was nicer or more likable, well, then people would have reached out to check on me. But I, I honestly don't think that was the case. I think social media feeds our vanity and our narcissism. On social media, well, I post photos about myself or I make comments and I wait for people to tell me how great I am. Oh, you look great. Oh, that's such a wise viewpoint. Oh, you're right on. If everyone's so self-absorbed in making themselves look good, they don't have time to really care about what's happening with other people. But I digress. I stepped away from social media, and I'm really glad that I did, because during that 2016 election campaign, I found myself falling into this trap of being critical, of being judgmental toward other people, and the things that they would post online about the candidates, the issues, and I didn't like how it was bringing out that judgmental attitude in me. Plus, after I deactivated my account, I found that I had many hours back in my week to do other things, spend time with my family, be productive, do projects around the house. I could read books, play music, all those different things. And those things, they didn't isolate me or lead me down a path to be judging others. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, it's found in St. Matthew's Gospel, he tells us that we shouldn't judge others. Judge not that you be not judged. But somehow, sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we do have to exercise judgment. Other times, Jesus' words maybe get turned around, and people will try and justify their behavior by saying not to judge them. So how should we understand what Jesus is really saying when he tells us not to judge others? Well, that's what we want to look at today on The Inner Life. And joining us as our spiritual director for the hour as we dive into this topic, Father Peter Armenio is back with us once again. He's a priest of Opus Dei. He's a widely sought speaker in his ministry of preaching, retreats, and days of recollection. And Father Peter, so glad to have you back here on The Inner Life today. Oh, it's wonderful to be with you, Josh, and with the wonderful audience, and uh, great to talk about this topic. Well, and so as we do talk about judging others. Maybe we can look at that passage to start with from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, that sure. It starts in the seventh chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew, and Jesus tells us not to judge others. He says, the way in which we judge, this is how we will be judged. So maybe we can start there. Do you think Jesus is talking about how others here on earth will be judging us, or is he talking about how God the Father will be judging us with maybe less leniency if we've been harsh in our own judgments of others in our own lifetime, or is this maybe a both-and situation? I think it's a both-and situation um, because, I mean, truth is uh, one reality, but it could be looked at from a myriad of angles, a moral angle, a theological angle, a psychological, a medical. Um, and usually, at least psychologically, uh, rash judgment or harshness with others is a projection. It's, it's kind of a, a, you don't want to recognize your own faults and defects, so you dislike intensely your own defects. And if you notice some strains of that same defect in others, you project it onto somebody else. Now, the problem with the rash, with being judgmental in the 
given the meaning of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, is that you're kind of hamstrung, and you can't change, you can't repent until you stop it. Because basically Jesus is saying, he's telling us as a great psychologist but a great teacher, you know, yeah, maybe before you get to make a valid judgment uh, towards somebody, remove that same defect that is much bigger in you. And then you'll be more at liberty to make a balanced judgment. And most likely you won't judge at all since now you know yourself so well and how difficult it is to eradicate your beam. And so you've got to work on your beam before you start eradicating someone else's you know, speck. So I think that's what he's saying. And, we, and being judgmental holds us back in a very serious way from loving others unconditionally. I mean, that's the heart of Christ. And to love people mercifully Again, because we dislike ourselves or the defects or sins in ourselves, we impart that on others, and we begin to dislike others and be very harsh on others. Um, the road to compassion is to look at yourself. Augustine said that uh, if you if you judge somebody else, you work on that same defect that you have, and then you will not see the defect in the other person. So that's kind of a wise piece of advice as well. Um, you know, we judge more than we realize, too. You know, we may say, well, you know, I haven't made a, a negative statement about somebody, or at least in an egregious way. But the very fact that we may resent people who have defects or resent them a little bit, not a lot. It could be people we really love. It's the, you know, it's both, both are compatible. You know, noticing someone's defects and being governed by their defects, which means that we're not, we don't have that uh, unconditional love that, you know, you don't have to prove yourself to me. You don't have to score points. I love you because of who you are, because you're a person, you're a son or daughter of God, because you're an image of God. Um, it sounds great verbally and on paper, but to put it into practice is a work of a life. Right, right. <laughs> Well, and That's you know, confession comes in handy. You know, as you're talking about this too, one thing that comes to mind, Father, is I've dealt with people in my own family uh, where they will think that I am being judgmental on some aspect of their behavior, or you know, something going on with them, yeah. and and they'll think that, it, and and it's not happening for me. I I don't even, I it's not on my radar at all. And for some reason, they think that I might be looking down on them for whatever they're doing in their life. Uh, you know, I mean, that right there, that seems like the, they've got something baggage-wise that they, they're holding on to. Or maybe it's just their conscience that's eating at them at that point. But there's also then, they've kind of turned that around, and instead of me judging them they're kind of, it's almost like they want me to judge them so that they can stand up and say, well, how dare you? And, and they've made this kind of judgment on themselves through me. First of all, how do we, how do we get somebody to <laughs> not, not judge themselves through us and Part of this goes back to what you said, love neighbor, you know, loving others yes. wholeheartedly. Yes. 
Well, the thing is, um, what's going on too? There's a there's a lot of different dynamics here. There's a very right now being you know, judging others, being judgmental is a very loaded word, and many in the popular culture does not give it the meaning that Christ gave it in the Sermon on the Mount. And what goes on here, you know, I don't want to. It's hard to judge, but this is pretty common when someone is a good Christian and a happy Christian. A lot of times that's synonymous. Uh, the there's you know relatively happy family life. Um, person is kind of stable. Um, doesn't have major moral issues. And the simple reason is because God is very much part of the life of that family or that individual. And the great majority, without being judgmental, again, here, out of ignorance, whatever, they don't have God. And then when you don't have God, whether whether it's your fault or not, life becomes a mess. And when they see someone else kind of towing the line, living chastity, you know, they're open to life, uh, they uh, take their uh, religious life seriously, uh, that produces envy and jealousy and resentment uh, because you're proving them wrong. You're not saying anything. But let's face it, the, the bottom line, and Americans are very practical people, you're happy and you seem fulfilled and you're doing everything that I'm opposed to. You know, you're, I don't know, you're trying to be chaste, you you know, you have one wife, you're open to life, you know, you're going to Mass on Sunday, um, you're not buying into the woke culture, and you seem very happy, very loving, and I resent it, because I want you to prove that your lifestyle is, uh, has a negative influence on you, because that's what, I mean, that's what the popular culture is saying. Right is that uh, I'm just plagiarizing, uh, I think, uh, an encyclical by St. John Paul and the Holy Spirit. He says, you know, the, one of the collective problems we have in our world, especially in the Western world, is that we think the natural law uh, is harmful. You know, it's a violation of human rights. And so when you see someone, a young person, who has his or her act together, you become resentful. That's what happened in the early church, too. A lot of martyrs occurred because of that. It wasn't only because the emperor, the governor, orchestrating and organized uh, persecution. It was neighbors, it was family members who resented those early Christians who showed that uh, they had a meaning in their lives. You know, as you're talking about this, too, you, you started off with Jesus saying, you know, get that, that log, that huge piece of wood that's wedged in your eye, out of your eye before you attempt to help your fellow Christian, your fellow human, to remove that little speck of dust from their eye. Why do you think it is so easy for us to look at others in our lives and have that kind of expectation that they should strive to be perfect, but we can look at ourselves and we can say, well, I, I should have an exception made for me and my behavior because I have all these special circumstances and all of that, it, it really leaves me no option other than to be the kind of person I am. You know, we want mercy and understanding for our actions, our behaviors, when we fall short. But then we want and we expect better from everyone else around us. Is that, is that just part of that stain of original sin that still is messing that, that, with us even after baptism? That's definitely baptism? The, one of the stains of original sin that, you know, 
sin is removed, but the effects are not. And we have to work on the effects and kind of whittle them down. They don't go away completely, but you can make progress. Uh, we resent, we dislike ourselves more than we realize. Uh, we dislike our, our our sins. We dislike our, our defects. Um, uh, at least, you know, going to confession after not going for a long time is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody's intelligent enough to know that, you know, the priest's not going to get rattled, especially if he's heard enough confessions. It's, the, the big problem is not saying it to the other person. I'm not saying that's easy. Um, or even saying it to God. It's recognizing in myself, you know, because the, I dislike that, and I do not want to admit that I'm flawed, you know, because that defect I have, whatever it may be, you know, a rendition of one of the se- of the seven capital sins, is shameful, and I don't want to be that person. So, and I can't stand that person in me, and so I'm going to project that. I'm going to resent anybody who carries that defect just to shift uh, the focus on them and not on myself. And then you said wisely, it is effective original sin, because if I don't have my act together, well, maybe it's, you know, the way I was treated by my father. And I tell people, listen, you know, when I give spiritual direction, I say, listen, I'm on your side. I have a vested interest that you do well. I would like, you know, if you get to heaven and I'm in purgatory, you know, that's one reason. The under, Number two, I want a little royalty on your success, spiritual success. So since I want to win this game with you, stop playing the blame game. I, I appreciate that you had a little rough background and, and that's a factor or I'm not that dumb, but we can't play the blame game. We've got to, let's try to examine ourselves and take responsibility for our own actions, for our own weaknesses, uh, because otherwise we're not going to be liberated. Otherwise, we're not going to love people. And this is what Christianity is all about. Because you you dislike yourself so much in terms of your defects that you can't get past that, and then you impose that on other somebody else. Then when you see how hard it is for you to change, whatever those sins are, then you'll have more mercy on people. And, you know, why are you giving this guy a hard time or her a hard time when you you can't change? Or, or if you do change, it's, you know, you have to move heaven and earth. Right. So all those things help us to swallow that counsel of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, to be very honest, his bar is so high, I would say it's impossible, and that sounds a little heretical. But why does he why does he establish that bar? Because we could approach it, we can get close to it, closer to it. You know, um, because well, that, that's. Yeah. The, the other thing that comes to mind when you say that, too, is it allows Jesus then to say things like, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that way, Amen. we're not looking Amen. at each other and saying, well, I just have to be better than Joe, or I just have to be better than Sally. No, I have to be better than all of them and better than what I currently am because I need to be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. It, it gets us so that our, our vision isn't on, well, at least I'm not like that person, to, Oh, I'm really so far short of being where I should be, and I need to just keep, you know, I shouldn't be playing the better than kind of game. Is No, and, then, and perfect is qualified by St. Luke saying, you must be merciful as your heavenly Father's murder. That's the perfection, not on the order of power or intelligence or talents. And then we can be judgmental in the very, in a loving way, in the sense, 
it's positive judgmental. Well, Barbara's this way because given well, given the dysfunction she had, you know, we got to give her slack and have mercy on her. Or look at how great she's that. done with the little that she's a- been given. Amen. A- exactly. Right. Sure. Exactly. And guess what? When we have positive judgment, you know, uh, you know, giving the person slack and the benefit of the doubt, we're usually right. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of times when you make the judgment, the rash judgment, oh my gosh, I I was off. There was a there was a very important element that I missed, you know. So, yeah. Uh, and you know, I don't know. It's more anecdotal. I'm kind of heartened that uh, my founder of Saint Jose Maria was a saint, and uh, he, I guess he maybe jumped to conclusions. Uh, you know, he he wanted an answer. Someone's, you know, check bounced, and he wanted to know if someone had made a payment for some furniture in central headquarters in the fifties. And uh, the guy was saying, well. I didn't pay because he said, oh, stop making excuses. Did you pay or didn't you pay? And the guy said, well, no, I didn't. He said, that's all I want to know, that you didn't pay. I asked you to pay and you didn't. Okay, fine. Well, I'll try to pay. <clears throat> and then his assistant pulled St. Josemaria aside and said, well, listen, he didn't give him a little chance to explain himself. The check bounced. That's why he couldn't pay for it. And so St. Josemaria, <clears throat> in a gathering, you know, that same day, made a public confession, not sacramental, he said, you know, you got to pray for me because I was very unjust to this guy. And he took it so well with so much humility that I've learned so much from him. And I made a judgment uh, that he didn't, he should have paid. And he was ma- and I judged that he was making excuses. And he wasn't. And right. The check bounced. And I wouldn't give him a chance. And so we can't, you know, beat on ourselves because we are slipping. Uh, but we need to do is what he just did. You know, okay, no, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And that's. That's very healthy, too. Not easy, though. Not fun. Not easy, yeah. No, no, it's hard. (laughs) Our spiritual director, (laughs) Father Peter Arminio, a priest of Opus Dei, today talking about judging others, how to understand what Jesus is telling us when we shouldn't judge others so that we will not be judged as well. And what does that really mean? How do we live that out? And do you find it easy to be judgmental of other people? What has helped you in your life to be less critical and to look at those around you with love. And how is experiencing the mercy of God, just like Father Peter was talking about, how is experiencing the mercy of God in your own life, how has that helped you to be more merciful towards others? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, to be part of the conversation. Or maybe you have a question for Father Peter, and you can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father, let's talk about the words of Jesus there, too, because, you know, another thing that happens, um, a lot of times people will take his words and kind of turn them around and twist them to where they're not kind of what he originally said. Let's talk about that coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. 
Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Peter Arminio, a priest of Opus Dei, today talking about judging others. What do the words of Jesus mean when we talk about judge not lest ye be judged? Those famous words that have been quoted so often from Jesus and his Sermon on the Mount. Do you find it easy in your life? Is it easy to be judgmental of other people that are around you, your friends, your family? What has helped you uh, to be less critical, less judgmental? Uh, Has there been a prayer or a saint that's inspired you and helped you? Our studio line, 888-914-9149. Also want to say thank you to you for helping Relevant Radio and being a part of, you know, last week was our our fall pledge drive and the theme was join the family. And we really are a family. And together uh, we met the need that we had for our operating expenses over the next few months and uh, heard from almost 15,000 people that donated last week. And if you're one of those, thank you so much for your generosity. I know there's some of you who just aren't in a position to donate, and I know you keep us in your prayers. Thank you for that, too. We absolutely need your prayerful support for this ministry, this apostolate. And of course, if you missed the pledge drive last week, There's still always the opportunity, especially as people think about charitable donations here in the holiday season. You can still make that donation. It is completely tax deductible. Uh, And you can call 877-291-0123. You can donate online at relevantradio.com, or you can make that pledge through the Relevant Radio app. But again, more than anything, thank you so much for your generosity last week and being part of the Relevant Radio family. Uh, Continuing our conversation about uh, being judgmental or trying not to be judgmental, uh, one of the things, Father Peter, that we have happen very often in our society is they take those words of Jesus that I just mentioned, judge not that you not be judged, and they'll turn them around, they'll twist them. And, you know, Jesus, as you pointed out, he's basically telling us, you know, don't be judgmental towards others. We need to focus on ourselves. Get your own house in order, so to speak. You know, deal with your own failings. But it's become very, very popular to hear someone say, hey, do not judge me. Who are you to judge me? Jesus says not to judge others, so you shouldn't judge me. And then that kind of attitude ends up it's used to try and justify or to try and gain approval or gain acceptance of sinful behavior. And and perhaps you can talk to us for a moment about the difference between that judgmental attitude that Jesus is talking about and what we call admonishing the sinner, admonishing someone living in sinful behavior. They're not the same things. So can you offer some clarification for us? Yes. Um, well, it happens to be I was giving a talk to young people. And I was saying, well, um, if, you know, you have a friend and says, uh, so was a she, uh, she's pro-choice, you know, and um, what would you say? I said, well, my first sentiment, the young person said, was I'm not going to be judgmental. That's very important not to be judgmental. So I'm not going to judge her. So I'm not going to say anything. I said, Okay. And I said, if um, you know, another person's cohabitating, not married, um, will you weigh in? Who am I to judge? No, I'm not going to judge. I said, well, um, and they said what you said, Josh. Well, you know, in fact, Jesus comes from Jesus himself. I go, well, it doesn't. 
there's a very specific meaning to his judgment. Also, he he taught fraternal correction. You know that we have to correct. But and I just gave a very simple response. I said, "Listen, if you take the wallet of the gentleman next to you, you know, last time I checked, that's stealing. You took something that doesn't belong to you." Um, what I can't judge is I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know why you stole. I don't know what the circumstances are. I don't know if you know better. I, I, I that I don't know. All I know is you took something that did not belong to you, and uh, and that's called that is a word for it. That action is objectively called stealing. I said you could be my mother, you could be my brother, you could be my best friend, you could be an acquaintance, but that is stealing. Um, and I gave another anecdote. Uh, you know, I got in a couple of bad accidents. It was drunk, drunk drivers, not me, <laughs> the other one. Um, and I got hit. And, um, you know, we know that uh, inclination to alcohol is could be genetic, genetically driven. And um, But when the police stopped and they, they made a report, they didn't ask that question, is this genetically driven, or did you, you know, coldly right, decide right. to over to drink too much? And uh, so, is he being judgmental? Yeah, you got drunk. Whether we don't know your medical situation, your psychological situation, what's on your genetic code, you you got drunk and hit somebody. And so, that is not being judgmental, you know. Um, whether it's the sexual realm, whether it's life issues, whether it's uh, social doctrine, there's objective morality, and conscience is is basically is not creating what's right and wrong. It's applying standards of morality to a concrete situation. So I think we have to help people. And matter of fact, it's an act of charity, and I would say a sin against charity. You know, without being the you know the constant moral conscience of everybody that we don't admonish someone who's gone astray right. you know uh, I mean, if we have a good friend who never goes to mass and we're good friends and we don't even say anything about you know neglecting god and not having god in his life or her life i think we're selling that person short we're infringing on their freedom by uh, holding back a truth that could be extremely helpful or sure you know, anyway. uh, well, uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the approach as well, because exactly. if, if I am, if I have this aggressive attitude and I want to prove that you're wrong and I'm right, well, are, are you really, yeah. well, yeah, are you really doing that out of love of neighbor then at that point? You know, if, if your goal is to just tell them that they're wrong, then you fall into the judgmental camp if your goal is to help them come to a point of repentance and conversion so that they can grow in holiness because you want the best for them that's a much different attitude and that probably leads to a different approach of how you bring the subject it's, to it, them. It, it certainly does it certainly does you know and i think you know with goodwill but uh, with, with maybe a bitter zeal people are driven away by that too you know the, i'm not again none of this is easy but, you know, a harshness or a debate where you beat someone into, you outsmart someone, you win the battle of wits, even though the topic is uh, very uh, lofty. Uh, and I remember my younger priest, I have to be very honest, um, where I uh, had a 
discussion with a young man, not too, almost my age. Um, I was recently ordained, so things were a little bit more black and white. And so, you know, I was filling my theological oats fresh out of the seminary, and and we had a conversation, and I definitely won the argument, you know, and uh, put him in his place. I was didn't yell at him; I wasn't harsh with him, but basically, it was like a one-on-one basketball game or a tennis game, you know. And uh, I want to win this battle of wits, you know. I had studied more than he did, so I won. And I remember, you know, he never came back, and I ran into him in Walgreens two years later, and I asked him, "What's going on? How you doing?" He said, "Well, I'm coming back to the church." I go, "Oh." And I wrongly said, was that because of our conversation? He says, no, it's because I'm going out with a girl who's very holy. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, okay, there you go. So I never forgot that. I said, you know, this evangelization is not a winning a battle of wits or moralizing. It's what you just said, Josh. Because there is a way to say it. I'm not saying they're not going to get turned off or, you know, exquisitely kind. If they put Jesus Christ on a cross, uh, they may not be turned on by us either. But I think there is a way to do that. Listen, yeah, I'm on your side. I really, you know, this is really helping me. You know, I was in the same boat. Uh, just can you think about it? Uh, I really want the best for you. You know, give it some thought. Uh, if you want to talk about more, but at least they know someone is has another point of view and can defend that point of view. Not because he's smart or she's smart, but because they're happy and and they're and they're real true friends. You know. Yeah. So. This is a, you know, a spiritual art. Yeah, our spiritual director, Father Peter Armenio, as we talk about having that judgmental attitude, hopefully not having that judgmental attitude, <laughs> and uh, how have you lived that out in your life? How, what has helped you to be less judgmental, less critical of those around you? How do you approach them with love in the way that you try and communicate if there is something that you need to point out to them? Uh, how, how is experiencing the mercy of God in your life? How has that helped you to be a more merciful person to those around you and have less of a judgmental attitude? Our studio line is 888-914-9149. You can call in right now to speak with Father Peter, 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Patricia, who's listening to us in Las Vegas. Hi, Patricia. Wonderful. Hi, thank you for taking my call. How many times have you heard someone say that uh, we turn the radio on and it's exactly what we're struggling with is the topic, right? So I've been struggling with being judgmental and have gone to confession about it. (laughs) And um, it's it's gotten me into trouble in the past. Mm -hmm. And I have finally worked on it enough that I came to a conclusion just the other day and I tend to be judgmental because that's within me and I'm being so harsh on myself and criticizing myself and I guess it's a mirror of myself and others and so you're, you're honest I'm, you've won I'm still working on it you're, yeah we yeah, all are it's, it's not, alone. Yeah. So. Um, I guess, you know, going to confession and being more, made more aware, I think that's my, my uh, biggest fault, and um, working on it. And Patricia, I'm going to judge you. You're a lot less judgmental than before you start to think about this seriously and go to confession. I know it. That's my judgment of you. You're much less judgmental. You're making a lot of progress. Yeah. Yes, yes. I know you are. still a work in progress, yes. 
Of course. But I appreciate the show and the topic because, uh, you know, it hit home. Well, thanks for calling Fantastic. in, Patricia. Well, thanks for calling, Patricia. Yeah, yeah. God so bless. glad to have you as part of the program today. And again, our phone number here, if you'd like to be a part of the program, 888-914-9149. Our email address, again, is at relevantradio.com. As we're talking with Father Peter Arminio about what Jesus has said, judge not that you not be judged, and how we understand those words, how we apply them in our lives. And hopefully it means that we are walking closely with Christ. We have that relationship. We have experienced that mercy in our own lives, and it's helped us to be more merciful toward others. Maybe that's something you are struggling with, just like Patricia, and you'd like a little advice or some encouragement on how you can let go of that judgmental attitude, how you can move forward and show the mercy of God to others. 888-914-9149. We'll take more of your phone calls next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Do you have that judgmental attitude towards others? Hopefully, hopefully that's something you've been able to work on in your life. What has helped you to be less critical, less judgmental of those around you, your family, your friends? How have you grown in patience? How have you been able to uh, extend that mercy that you've received from God to others? And our studio line here today as we talk about how we can be less judgmental uh, our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our spiritual director is Father Peter Arminio, a priest of Opus Dei, a uh, widely sought speaker as he preaches retreats and days of recollection. And Father, a lot of different people waiting on the phone here. So let's go to Mary Alice, who's listening in Columbus, Ohio. Hi, Mary Alice. Thanks for calling in today. Oh, thank you. Um, hello, Father Peter. Hi, Mary Alice. How are you? Hi, I'm okay. Um, one of the things that I am, and I'm getting choked up because it is something that my mom used to teach us. She's been passed away for a long time, and I miss her terribly. But she used to tell us, I have five brothers and a sister, and in growing up, when one of my brothers or my sister or I would criticize someone else, she right away, very calmly, and but very pointedly, would say, when you're perfect, then you can criticize someone else or you can <laughs> tell somebody else what to do. And then she would go right back to what she was doing, either cooking or peeling potatoes or whatever. And we were to, told to go and do our homework or something. But that was the that was one of the many um, directives she would give. And when you're perfect, then you can tell other people what to do. So I have tried. Over, I'm in my 60s, but I have this problem where I have a number of family members and friends who I know they're fallen away Catholics. Um, I met a woman here last year at about this time. She will not have any part. She's Catholic, was raised Catholic, but she mm-hmm. will not have any part of going to a priest for confession. I don't know when last she was 
to Mass and Communion, and I've, I don't like to, you know, talk the faith with her anymore. One time she came through the phone at me, don't preach to me, she said. And right. I was trying to suggest to her, get back to church and Mass and Communion and Confession. I knew that's a very touchy point with her, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to admonish people without going overboard. And so, but yeah, my, well, my suggestion is these things. Uh, admonishing doesn't mean repeating it. Uh, you're admonishing your friends and your family by your good example. And then, you know, the, you, you want to be prudent, and the timing has to be there and has to be placed in such a way that the person. I mean, if the incision could be one inch, let's not make it three inches. So, and we say it once. Uh, the person is intelligence, they heard it, they know where we stand by, you know, our lifestyle, but also by our advice we gave them. Um, if we keep repeating it, uh, they, their pride, uh, kicks, kicks back, you know, and, uh, so I would, I would not belabor it. I would just lo- give them good example of charity and, uh, and pray, uh, pray that a lot of times that's all we could do, which is a lot, but that's all we could do. And God, in his good time, will reel that person in. You know, Father, just following up on Mary Alice's question here, too, I'm thinking about, you know, how do we recognize if maybe we are not the right person to fit that role of admonishing the sinner? And I'm thinking about, you know, with one of my older siblings, they might dismiss me just by the mere fact I'm their little brother, you know? Right. how how do how do we navigate if it's the right moment and we are the right person to say that rather than like you say just keeping that person in prayer well i think at the same time i don't think we're chickening out or being cowards or being remiss if we know we're going to get a bad reaction right you know if that's my sibling we've there's actions and words that indicate that this will be counterproductive then we don't say anything you know, um, because we know the kind of reaction the person will have. Now, in the course of a conversation, and someone throws down the gauntlet and says, you know, you know, we want to promote, we need to promote more gay marriage, then you weigh in. You, you know, obviously, you say, well, listen, uh, that's uh, that's not uh, healthy for society. You stay without getting an argument. But just, you know, breaking the ice with somebody who you know already, he's on record or she's on record to be pretty uh, resentful against any teaching of the church or any kind of religious sentiment, then you just give good example and and love and pray. Um, And then maybe you're not the right person. I mean, the thing is, maybe there's somebody else who could do that, you know, someone closer in age or they respect more because of their relationship. So it, it's not just black and white where you just yeah. go in there and, and correct. I mean, it has to be, we have to always look at what does, what's going to serve this person the best right now. Right. You know? And God's given us a brain, and we should be able to Amen. use that so that we can d- discern if that really is the case. Amen. Mary Alice, thanks so much for calling Thank into the you, program. Uh, Father, we've got Joseph who's listening to us in Sparks, Nevada. Hi, Joseph. You're on the air with Father Peter. Hello, and hello, Father. Hi, How are you guys today? Um, you know, one thing that's really helped me as as a Catholic is 
the scripture that says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. So the way I approach others is, it's, therefore, you know, it's not my Lord. He's not my Lord. He's our Lord. And I also know that what the scripture reads that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. And then we're the only Bible that some people are ever going to read. So they're looking at our lives, like Jesus said in the gospel, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your father, which is in heaven. So yes. the first scripture I mentioned is what really helps me. I understand that, that Christ died for all once for all and not just for me. So, right. And truly if, Truly, if God is pouring his love into my heart, a natural response would want to be for me to love others. And if it's not, I encourage anybody to just pray. It'll be a process. He'll give you an opportunity to be loving. And right. um, I just wanted to add this to the program this morning, and I thank well, you so much for addition. taking my thank call. You. No, thank you so much, Joseph. That's a big help. Yeah, great insights, and and I really like that. You know, meditating on that scripture while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, uh, very okay. much appreciate the call, Joseph. Uh, Father, we've got time for at least one or two more phone calls. Robin yeah, is listening to us in Florida. Hi, Robin. Thanks for calling in today. Oh, hi, Father Peter. Um, hi, Robin. How are I you? I was telling. Oh, I'm well. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, I I think I tend to be very judgy. We we were actually talking about that uh, in my AA meeting that I was driving home from. And um, what what I find is the greatest gift is that when we we have these corny sayings in AA. When you point at someone, there are three fingers pointing back at you. And um, you, you never heard that. You might. No, I love it. And. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. And those are when I judge someone, it's an opportunity for me to look into myself and say, okay, what am I afraid of? What am I resisting? Where can I grow? And I I love that. I just love that. It's a gift. Um and uh and that helps me. You know, that helps me um you know, walk with God. Exactly. 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 Yeah, I mean, I think uh, what you're what you're saying, Robin, is um, we have to practice that, you know, well tried devotion called the examination of conscience, where I look at myself, and then I have a whole different attitude towards others because, you know, I'm I'm doing all this heavy lift, lifting to change myself with the grace of God and the sacraments, and I realize that, you know, one little step at a time is quite a spiritual exertion. So obviously I need to be merciful to others since, you know, I'm so slow at changing myself, you know, triggered by a good examination of conscience. So that's what I'm deriving from your sage advice here. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Robin. I'm so glad you called in and shared here on the Thank program you, today. And uh, Father, as we're down to just a couple minutes left in the program yeah. here, if somebody's listening and they're saying, okay, I do find that judgmental attitude coming up in my in my mind, in my heart from time to time, and I really want to work on that, what would you recommend? Is there a prayer that you might recommend? Is there the example of a saint that you might say, go read about their life and how they've been able to make progress in the, that area? Well, yeah, I, I, lives of the saints are just what the doctor ordered, but it may not have an immediate effect, but... but it will have an effect because they all they had a, 
you know, virtually all of them have been persecuted and they've been right. they have forgiven. What I try to advise, and I try, obviously I try to first begin with myself, is there's a part of the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, that is not a petition but a commitment. As we forgive those who trespass against us, and we don't want, we really want to pay attention to when I, you know, forgive my, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against. Because I'm making a commitment to forgive others, uh, and and that's, and so I really want to c- contemplate those words of the Our Father, so they really mean something. And it's a little bit of a, uh, an, in it's 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 right there, an examination of conscience, right there, and a commitment to be forgiving. Then number two, I would say a daily examination of conscience. A couple of minutes, three minutes, good act, you know, an act of contrition at the end, invocation of the Holy Spirit to see, and then question, why am I so harsh on that person? And do I have that same defect? And if we do a little bit of spiritual digging, we'll see, I do. That's why I'm a little bit harsher on that person. So those are a few things we could do. And then, oh, biggie, use the confessional. That's an antibiotic. That's an antibiotic. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the good things that Robin brought up too. You know, the, the exactly when when I find that cropping up in my mind, I'm being judgmental. I like that she said it gives me an opportunity to pause, to stop, and say, "What do I? What what is that thing in my own life that I am?" so fearful of or that I don't like in myself. So it gives you that opportunity to say, oh, if I'm being judgmental, let me look at myself first, which goes right back to the words of Jesus. Exactly. Well, Father, we are down to uh, just our last minute or so here. And as we do conclude the hour, could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a final blessing here? Absolutely. Heavenly, oh, merciful Father, you sent your beloved Son as an example of mercy and forgiveness as he showed us so beautifully on the cross. Please shower us with that grace so that we also can uh, love people unconditionally without judging them as your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. May Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great being with all of you. Hey, thank you so much, Father Peter. Again, Father Peter Arminio is our spiritual director spending this past hour with us here on The Inner Life, and he's a priest of Opus Dei and also a widely sought speaker in his ministry of preaching retreats and days of recollection. And thank you so much for being a part of the conversation. Apologies to those of you we weren't able to get on the air who had called in, and I hope you will join us tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. I mean, I look forward to the conversation every day. (laughs) It's always just so wonderful to be able to spend this hour talking with the different priests that we have on the show and talking with you, hearing how God is working in your lives. And tomorrow, we're going to talk about surrender, how we can surrender our heart and unite our hearts to Christ. And we'll be talking about that here on the show. Of course, if you missed any portion of the the program today. The podcast is always available online at relevantradio.com or through the Relevant Radio app. And I hope you have a wonderful and blessed rest of your afternoon.